Welcome to Walking Together, a podcast all about encouraging each other as we follow Jesus together. I'm your host, Dennis Lavelle. Let's start walking. As Laura and I were sitting around the breakfast table, she began to share some things that she had seen in John chapter 9. And those observations were so good that I started writing them down. But it didn't take me very long before I said, you know, you need to share that. You need to do the next podcast. So Laura is my guest today. So tag, you're it, Laura. As Dennis said, my reading was in John chapter 9 the other day, and I just saw a few things that really stood out to me. So let's start by reading verses 1 through 5. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he has been born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man has sinned, or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So the disciples' first question was, who is sent? In those times, it was widely believed that someone who was disabled or had a problem had sinned or someone in their family had sinned. I think that today we can be guilty of the same thing if we let ourselves. Yes, the Bible tells us that the sin of the father will come to the son, but that doesn't mean that everyone that has a problem or everyone that is sick has sinned or that the problem is because of sin. Jesus tells the disciples that this man is blind so that the people could see God through his healing. The man suffered so that people could be brought to salvation. Too many times when we see a friend in trouble or someone comes to us and asks for help, we tend to do the same thing that the Jews in the New Testament did. We assume, oh, there must be a sin in their life. There must be some reason they're having this problem. And sometimes that might be true. But we need to get in the habit of seeing the person like Jesus did. Jesus did not dwell on the law or on theology. He helped the man. It's not our job to speculate and judge, but to show mercy and love. Imagine what would happen if this was our first reaction to people. I think we could be more of a witness than by first judging them. Yes, God may have us in a position to help someone deal with and maybe even conquer a sin, but what would happen if our first reaction to this person was love and mercy instead of judgment? You know, I wonder if the blind man ever asked his mom, Hey mom, why why was I born blind? Why did this happen to me? Can you imagine that conversation? We know that Jesus tells us that he was blind so that God could be glorified. And maybe there's a situation in your life that you're going through right now, and the end result, the reason you're going through this, is so that God will be glorified. Maybe someone's watching you go through this trial, and how you react will be a witness to God, either for the good or for the bad. Jesus says in verse 5, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Take a minute and let that sink in. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So, what happens now that Jesus has returned to heaven? Matthew 5.14 gives us the answer. Most of us know this verse by heart. We are told that we are the light of the world. Okay, all you English majors. The verse says, you are the light of the world. That's an emphatic statement. The verse does not say, you should try to be light. You can be light, or you should be light. 
it says you are light. My friend, we have no choice. We are the light. The question is, what are we doing with our light? Are we letting it shine for Christ? Are we trying to point out other sins and faults by shining light on it? Are we being an aggressive, annoying light, like when I accidentally turned the flashlight on my iPhone and pointed at people without realizing it, which, sorry to say, happens more than I'd like to admit, and I'm still not sure how I do it. Or are we shining our light so that others can see Christ in us and are attracted to us? Kind of like that light on a summer night that you have out on the porch and all the bugs just come to it. Are we being the kind of light that we are so attractive to people that they come to us wanting to know more about our light? Let's read on. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seen. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he's like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Shalom and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. The next thing that stood out to me is that the blind man had to take a step. Jesus didn't just throw mud on his eyes and say, You're healed. He told the man, Go wash your eyes. So the man had to take a step. He had to take a step of faith. He had to believe. And of course, my next question is, how did he get there? I mean, he was blind. How did he get to the water, to the pool of Siloam? Maybe he knew the route. Maybe he'd walked it so many years that he actually knew the way by himself. Actually, what I like to think happened is that somebody led him to the water. Somebody saw him with mud on his eyes and tripping and said, well, let me help you. I'll take you to the water. But that's just my personal, my personal take. It's also important to note that this is the first time in scripture that we see a person who was blind from birth healed. Opening the eyes of the blind was something that the scripture tells us is the Lord's job. In Psalm 146, 8, we read that the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. Isaiah 35, 5 tells us it's talking about the coming of the Messiah, and it says that the eyes of the blind shall be open. So next in our story comes the controversy. Of course, there were those who did not believe. Surely this cannot be the man who has sat at that gate for 38 years, the one who was born blind. Enter the Pharisees. They just can't keep out of it, can they? There will always be those who do everything they can to try to discredit Christ. And the saddest thing to me that we see all the time are those who call themselves followers, but they put man-made rules before everything else. The Pharisees were mad because Jesus had dared to heal this man on the Sabbath. These men had made their traditions so important that they had become laws. My friend, we need to be careful that we do not let our preferences become doctrine. Verses 17 and 18. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. So now they question the man. 
They want to see what he says about this Jesus that healed him. His answer was that he was a prophet. But the Pharisees can't let that stand, because if he really, really was a prophet, then according to Jewish laws, the fact that he healed on a Sunday might could be excused. The religious leaders would rather believe that this man was never blind than to have to admit that Jesus was the Christ. So next they go to his parents and they ask them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. It's almost as if the Pharisees are trying to accuse the parents here. They're trying to accuse the parents of tricking them. Maybe your son really wasn't born blind. Maybe it's all a trick. If the leaders would have believed the parents, then it would be obvious to them that the man was born blind and that Jesus really was God and that he really had performed a miracle. But they simply could not or would not believe. Here's when I see something as a parent that's really sad, that really hit me hard. The parents told the Pharisees that yes, yes, this is our son. Yes, he was born blind, but they would not comment on how he was healed. They were so afraid of the Pharisees and of being excommunicated, of being thrown out of the synagogue, that they would not say a word about how he was healed. I would like to think that if Drake or Brady, one of my sons, was born blind and they were healed at 38 years old, that I would be jumping and screaming and telling people, Jesus healed him! Jesus healed him! But these parents were so afraid of the religious leaders that they kept their mouth shut. And they basically said, go ask him. He's old enough to talk for himself. Ask him. Sadly, we have some of that kind of fear today. We need to be careful as followers of Christ, especially as those in leadership, and I'm talking to myself here too, that we do not let our preferences or our own convictions become law and doctrine. We need to be sure that people do not look at us and say, well, I can't live up to her standards, so I guess I can't be a Christ follower. Verse 24 and 25, I love how the man answers the Pharisees. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. So they question him again. And he says, I don't know if this man's a sinner. All I know, I was blind. And now I can see. The man knew nothing about Jesus, but he did know that Jesus had touched his life. I think these words are some of the most powerful in the chapter. Though I was blind, now I see. My friend, these words apply to all of us. Before we were saved, we were as blind as this man was. And no one, no rules, no preferences, no rituals, no man could open our eyes and allow the true light in except Jesus Christ himself. In verse 26 and 27, they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? As the Pharisees continue to interrogate the man, he holds his own. 
and just keeps repeating the truth to them. And the saddest part of all of this is that these men are so unwilling to see anyone's view but their own that they are lost in the law. They refuse to allow their eyes to be open to the truth. They would rather hold on to the law and the old ways than to accept what God has to offer, liberty in him and freedom from the law. They were also unwilling to learn from someone who they thought was not as learned as them. My friend, here's another thing that's happening in the Christian world today. We sometimes are so set in our own ways that we are unwilling to learn from someone who may be a younger Christian. After all, what do they know? They just got saved five years ago and I've been a Christian for 30 years. Or how about this one? How can they know how to honor and serve Christ? They are just too young. That's not the way we do it. They can't even recite the books of the Bible in order because they just use a smart device to look it up. We need to get over our preferences and be willing to learn from others, even our kids or even our elders. We as Christians need to be serving and learning together. We need to get over this divide that has been created between generations. Preferences and traditions may change, but God's word does not. Verses 35 and 38. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. So when it's all said and done, the blind man has been healed, and now he's been thrown out of the synagogue. Because the Pharisees are just unwilling or unable to see that Jesus really is who he says he is. It hurts to be rejected by others, doesn't it? We've all been rejected by others. But God has something better for us. Jesus. Even when everyone else rejects us, Jesus never will. Jesus comes back to the blind man and asks him, Do you believe? The man asks, Who is it I'm supposed to believe in? And Jesus proceeds to witness to the man and lead him to true faith. Even when the religious leaders had told him that he could not worship, Jesus led him to the only one who he or we should be worshiping. It is the same with us. Even when others say we are not good enough, Jesus is always there with his arms wide open calling for us to come to him. The chapter is wrapped up with Jesus telling us the difference between the blind and those who can see. Verses 39 through 41, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. So what does that all mean? Jesus reminds us that he has come into the world to judge. He in fact, is a dividing line between those who accept and those who reject him. Those who admit that they are spiritually blind can find sight in Jesus, but those who already see or falsely claim to have spiritual sight without Jesus are actually blind. So to wrap it all up, this healing of the blind man in chapter 9 paints a picture to all of us of our own blindness. We are all born spiritually blind, Jesus offers us all salvation and healing. We have to take a step of faith to accept that offer. And once we accept that offer, we change and grow to the point that others around us may not even recognize us. 
We are to show our love and loyalty to Christ as we witness to others and tell them about Christ, even when we are persecuted or have trials in our lives. And as we grow, we learn more about Christ. We grow closer to Christ, and this helps us to worship and love him even more. And just like the blind man, whose name we actually never know, as true disciples of Christ, we should be content to remain anonymous. It's okay if no one knows our name, as long as God gets the glory. So, my friends, how are you doing? Are you shining your light so others can see? Amen. That was some great insight. I hope this has been an encouragement to you. Let us know in the comments if you discovered something new today. Share the podcast link with a friend. Keep walking together with Jesus. We'll see you next time.